Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles post-game edition. This is the Oklahomans, Oklahoma State Athletics Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Wright, joined by Jenny Carlson. Coming off of uh, Oklahoma State's 24-21 victory over Iowa State. Really solid game all the way around. Really exciting game. Uh, just as you would expect, Jenny, you've uh, you've been uh, talking all week about how these teams always play close games, and they did not disappoint you today. No, I, this has become the norm for OSU Iowa State games. Uh, you know, everybody I think that is an OSU fan probably remembers 2011 when the Cowboys went up there, aspirational uh, national championship hopes and got beat on a Thursday night, uh, tough loss. But really, even since then, this has been a series of tight fits for whoever wins. Um, you know, there uh, have not been many uh, double-digit winners in this series in the last decade or so. And so when we went from a 10-point game to a three-point game late, I thought, well, of course, that's what this series has become. So um, I thought it was a well-played game. I thought um, when mistakes were made or what you could see as mistakes by one side, the, uh, the other team capitalized, and they forced mistakes, too, on each other. So I thought those were two pretty good teams playing each other. And, you know, if both win out, that could be a rematch in the Big 12 title game, too. So uh, two, two good teams with a lot of individual talent, uh, but Oklahoma State, again, solid performance, especially when you consider the layoff that they had, um, the layoff that their starting quarterback had since he last played a game. Uh, all things considered, very impressive win for Oklahoma State. Yeah, it was. And it, um, it still feels weird to see them playing 24-21 games. Uh, but they did exactly what they needed to do. They didn't. Uh, they didn't have catastrophic mistakes on offense. Uh, they uh, they they executed well. It wasn't. Uh, uh, I mean, forty-eight wasn't going to happen in uh, in this game against Iowa State. That's just uh, that's just the way the way it is with Iowa State. The way they're playing defense uh, under Matt Campbell and uh, and the way that they control the uh, control the clock a little bit as well with the running game, but. Oklahoma State did what it needed to do to uh, to to move the ball, score points when it needed to, and uh, and take advantage of, of opportunities. It was it was a good execution all the way around. We'll start. Uh, let's start on the defensive side of the ball because I think that's the uh, that's the side of the ball that continues to impress me. Uh, I thought they were really strong again tonight. Uh, even uh, you know you give up 21, it's uh, it, it it doesn't sound like much, and uh, it uh, but it was really an impressive performance across the board. I thought from uh, from all three levels of the defense. Well, here's when you know the defense is playing really well. Not only what you just said, Scotty, and we can talk about you know how Iowa State, you know their scores were some pretty impressive individual plays. Mm -hmm. You know, you can look at uh, a big 66-yard run by Brees Hall. You know, sort of defense uh, guessed the wrong way. They they went one way, and and Brees Hall found open, uh, a lot of open space the other way. Uh, A heck of an individual play by Brock Purdy and his wide receiver, the late touchdown. 
But the thing to me that stands out when you when you talk about how well the defense is playing is how how um, how much that defense is dictating what this OSU offense is doing. Yeah. You know, to hear Casey Dunn in the post game, to hear Mike Gundy in the post game talking about, you know, essentially we don't want to mess this up for the defense. <laughs> we don't want to give up cheap points against our defense. You know, pick six, uh, scoop and score that Iowa State's defense gets. You know, they're mindful of not doing things that could put their defense in a bad position because they know they can go win the ball game for them. And so, to me, that's a real that's that's such a such a change from past years. And I don't have to tell you that, Scott. And I don't have to tell Cowboy fans that. You know, that is not the norm. It's you know, as Trey Sterling said after the game, the norm is fifty or sixty points, and mm-hmm. you know, sort of hope the defense can defense can hang on for dear life. So, this is a different team. This is a different feel. And um, you know, the defense just continues to do what they're asked to do you know if there comes a point when they don't provide well then you may see the offense look a little different or kick it into a a, a different gear do some things that maybe seem a little more high wire or high risk but they don't need to do that they just need to play solid offensive football and they've got playmakers to do that without any question and then you know don't don't give the other team a short field don't put your defense in a corner and let them go win a ball game for you yeah, absolutely. The um, the offense ended up rushing for uh, for just over 230 yards. I can't remember the exact number now off the top of my head, uh, but they threw for 235. It was uh, uh, right up until the uh, the last moment they were almost exactly balanced. Uh, really, uh, really solid effort from the offense doing what it uh, what it had to do. Um, playmakers keep stepping up on uh on uh, a week-to-week basis it seems like it's always somebody different on this defense who uh who comes through and has a big day trey sterling i thought was all over the place today uh, a guy that had a uh had a big pass breakup had some crucial tackles um you know he, he had a really good game against uh, against iowa state last year as well but um he was a guy that uh, that came through with some uh, some really big plays today um you look up at the at the front. Trace Ford seemed to be knocking down a pass every time you you looked up, and uh, just it's just every week there's somebody new making plays on this defense. Yeah, and you know something else that I think that's a great point because they don't sort of have that one guy that they depend to make every play. Right. And in the same regard that that takes the pressure off Oklahoma State's defense, it puts the pressure on your opponent. Um, I wrote after the game tonight about the pressure that OSU was able to get on Brock Purdy and the blitz that uh, Malcolm Rodriguez had in the first quarter, late in the first quarter, that forced a uh, intentional grounding penalty and pushed the Cyclones back into a long field goal attempt that they missed, I felt was the, was the change, was the swing in the game. But as you look at, um, in the same vein of what you're talking about, Scott, as you look at where the sacks came from, where the quarterback hurries came from, it was... It was everywhere. You know, it was Trace Ford. It was uh, Sione Asi. It was uh, Tyler Lacey. But it was also, um, you know, guys coming out of the secondary. Um, it was guys coming on blitzes or, you know, different different types of things that you don't always know where that's going to come from. I mean, Oklahoma State's had great individual 
uh, talent on defense from time to time, whether you're talking about an Emmanuel Ogba or, you know, somebody of that ilk where, you know, the defense had to cue on that guy. But if you're trying to slow down Oklahoma State's defense right now, like, I'm not exactly sure where you're where your extra set of eyes go. Um, You know, I think Trace Ford is a guy that you have to keep an eye on, but just as soon as you do that, you know, they may bring Calvin Bundage off the edge and all of a sudden you've got one of the fastest guys on the field coming at you. So to me, that's one of the, that's one of the great things about this defense, both, you know, in Oklahoma State's favor because they don't sort of have that one guy that they just look to to do everything but also because the the other team has no idea where that big play could come from in any given week. So pretty hard to match up against these guys. They they bring it from a lot of different areas of that defense. Yeah, the uh, the the blitz play that you wrote about, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez described it a little bit. Basically, both linebackers were coming right up the middle, and the center had to pick one. And uh, he chose Eamon Ogbongbamiga, and that left Malcolm Rodriguez coming wide open to uh, to the quarterback so uh that was a uh that i mean a lot happened after that but that uh that moment was i thought a huge play in uh in turning the momentum of the game at that point yeah because to that point oklahoma state offensively had moved the ball decently in two of their three opening possessions the first drive they should have gotten points but they missed a field goal so you have a you know pretty decent drive but don't get any points then a quick interception, then another possession that they moved it decently but had to punt. And suddenly you look up and, you know, you're trailing 7-0. And then all of a sudden, even though that punt led to a very long field for Iowa State, I I think they were on their five or inside their five, then uh, you see a huge run by Brees Hall, a 70-yarder. He gets caught, but, you know, suddenly they're in the red zone. And, you know, it's like OSU has had some – some success on offense but nothing to show for it and all of a sudden you're looking at potentially a 14 point hole or a 10 point hole at least because it looks like they're going to kick that field goal then Jim Knowles dials up that that linebacker blitz and you're right Scott I mean if it wasn't Malcolm it was going to be Amen that, that got the pressure and you know that's a tough choice for a center to make I don't know I don't know do you take you know one of the fastest strongest biggest guys in Ongbogwamiga or as everybody knows, the former wrestler who really doesn't miss many guys in Rodriguez. I mean, there's not really an easy choice there. So, uh, but yeah, Purdy, you know, suddenly looks up and sees Rodriguez coming untouched at him. He just had to dump it off and there was nobody there. They eventually call the the intentional grounding and instead of a 35-yard field goal, Iowa State's attempting a 48-yarder. They miss it. Three plays later, Jelani Woods, yes, Jelani Woods, is in the end zone for the Cowboys. So, uh, yeah, at least a 10-point swing there, if not a 14-point swing, because it really felt like Iowa State was starting to find a rhythm offensively. Yeah, it really felt like they were on their way toward a touchdown at, uh, at that point. So, um, big-time uh, big time call, big-time play, and, uh, you know, Jim Knowles said after the game he wished he had, uh, had done it a little bit more come after him a little bit more so um overall uh really solid performance again and uh i apologize i'm all distracted i want to talk about tight ends i we, we got to talk about the tight ends because you brought up jelani woods 
Uh, there's a lot to talk about on the offensive side of the ball, but six catches from uh, the tight ends as a collective, three each for Jelani Woods and Logan Carter. Each one of them goes for a first down or a touchdown. What, as, a, what a day for those guys. As you said, Scott, you, you do that if you like those things. If you like those sorts of things, <laughs> first downs, touchdowns. If you're, if you're into that, go ahead and throw it to the tight ends. I mean, it seems like a positive thing. And, you know, I'm I'm well established on the throw it to the tight end bandwagon. I, I don't know if I drive the, the wagon, but I'm definitely, you know, up towards the front. Um, I just think those guys create such a mismatch problem. And when you're talking about Jelani Woods, you're talking about a guy who stands almost 6'8". You know, he, he can he can really make things difficult. And it was interesting, Scott, I don't know that we were on deadline after the game, and so it was a little hard to keep an ear on the, the post-game comments and um, do our work. But so I don't know if you heard, but Casey Dunn said at uh, one point that they really, you know, they, they knew obviously Iowa State had the great tight ends led by Charlie Kolar, Norman North product, who's likely, if he's not a first-round NFL pick, he's definitely not he's not going to stay on the board much beyond the second round I don't think really talented um in a year when the tight ends there's just not there's not sort of there's not a gronk out there there's not you know but Charlie Kolar very very good and they've got two other guys as you wrote early in the week Scott who are excellent and you know I think Casey Dunn made the comment that you know that that kind of that kind of sparked them uh, OSU it kind of sparked their offense to say hey what if we use our guys? They And they also saw in Iowa State's defense some opportunities to exploit some areas where they could get the ball to those guys. So on a day when, you know, Iowa State's wide receivers had a nice day, I, I they didn't affect the game any more than, than uh, Logan Carter and, and Jelani Woods did. They didn't get in the end zone. Um, you know, OSU's wide receivers caught, I think, maybe one less ball but had more yards, I think, than Iowa State's tight ends did. So... That was a great wrinkle on the offense, and you know maybe one of those th- those things moving forward we see more of Scott. You know, don't you think that's one of those things that, as Spencer Sanders sort of get? I, I actually thought we'd see it more with Shane Illingworth, because you have such a, you know, it's a quick throw, it's sort of a rhythm throw, get in, you know, get, sort of get comfortable. I thought we might see it more with him, but we may see it more with Spencer too, as he sort of, you know, get, knocks that rust off and, and gets back into the flow of things too. I definitely think that's something that you're going to continue to see more of in the, in this offense. And um, they uh, they talked about the um, <laughs> excuse me the unique nature of Iowa State's defense, uh, leading to some of the things that they were able to do to add that uh, to add that wrinkle this week. Uh, but I think that there are different things they can do uh, against other defenses that will give them that opportunity as well. So. I think you're going to see those guys get more involved uh, as the uh, as the season continues, because I, I think they realize how big a weapons those guys can be, and the mismatch nightmare that they are, and you're going to see them uh, in in situations where they can uh, can take advantage of uh, of of those mismatches and try to do what they can rather than uh, you know rather than throwing to them once a game and. Uh, and getting the five or six yards that they get out of them, they can get some big plays out of those guys and uh, and some productive plays. Don't you think too? We're we're going to continue to see the cracking open further of the OSU playbook as we go. I mean, it's everything from 
a true freshman quarterback um, to not your best opponents at the beginning of the year. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you make it simple these first few weeks. And even um, I think Mike Gundy said somewhere along the way, he encouraged uh, both Jim Knowles and Casey Dunn, both of his coordinators, to keep it fairly fairly simple this week just because of the layoff that this team had had, having you know that Baylor game postponed and then the off week before that, um, or vice versa, whatever it was. I get so confused with all these COVID um, cancellations, but um, you know to keep it simple. Um, and so I, you know, there's there's no reason to think we've seen all the wrinkles yet. Um, so it will be interesting to see as K State or as as Texas rolls into town next week, as you know that trip to K State. Uh, conference leaders looms in a couple weeks you know what what little twists or variations or additions do we continue to see I think it's going to be really interesting to watch how that evolves yeah let's uh since you uh kind of hinted at the future schedule let's talk a little bit about the situation Oklahoma State has put themselves in in terms of uh of this conference because they have put themselves in uh in the ideal spot not only not only do they control uh their uh, their own destiny and getting to uh to the big 12 title game they've uh they've also got the uh some some folks in the conference beating up on each other to uh to help take take other teams out at this point um you know we looked at at this stretch of the schedule this iowa state texas kansas state stretch and um, you thought these were going to be the teams that they're going to be competing with. Maybe not Kansas State so much, but Iowa State and Texas for sure were going to be teams they'd be competing with for uh, for what you hoped was a, a Big 12 uh, a spot in the Big 12 title game. And now they're uh, they're trying to uh, hold serve and uh, and uh, and remain atop of the league where everybody's chasing them and uh, and hoping for the chance to play them in the Big 12 title game. So it's uh, it's a completely different scenario that that we ended up in at this point, but uh, but still a pretty um, a, a perfect situation for Oklahoma State. Yeah, and you know, I th- I think um, obviously you know K State's played one more game. They're four and zero in the league. Had K State not lost that opening non-conference game to Arkansas State, I mean, they'd be top ten with the Cowboys. I, I mean, they've got a win against OU on their resume. Um, you know, I-, I think there'd be every reason to think they'd be a top ten team. So it's going to be really interesting to see. I, I don't know who K-State has next week necessarily. I, I have to admit I didn't look. They beat up on Kansas this, uh, today, which everybody beats up on Kansas because they aren't any good. Um, <laughs> but, um, Scott, I think this Texas game, you know, obviously is it's one of those games that no matter what Texas's record is, guys will get fired up for it. It's in Stillwater. Um, you know, it's, it's, you've got so many players from the state of Texas. This is a game that inherently they're excited about. Um, I think that now I'm going to pick OSU to win. And I don't know if this is necessarily why, but I think Oklahoma state has a advantage in a lot of areas, but maybe as much as anything in athleticism, which I don't know if, I don't know when the last time we could have said that is, quite frankly. Um, There's probably been years, you know, here and there. um, But 
I, you know, everybody sort of sees everybody else in the Big 12 here and there on TV. I got a chance to see him in person a couple weeks ago when OU played him in, in Dallas. And I was a little bit shocked, quite frankly, at how lacking they were in just raw playmaking ability. Um, I don't really see it on defense. Um, they don't have just sort of wow guys on offense either. I mean, Sam Ellinger is a tough, tough cookie. That guy will do just about anything. But he's not a great passer. He's worked on it, but kind of is what he is. And he's not a great passer. And he doesn't have many receivers that can get open. So to me, OSU is going to have some serious advantages. Um, so, you know, I think that's a game that because of, I mean, you're not going to have guys overlook Texas, even if they've lost a couple games in the Big 12. That's not happening. So I just think with the motivation, with where they are, and then, then the advantages that they'll have, you know, I think it's going to be a game that Oklahoma State wins. And if they do, then they go to K-State. Uh, you know, a place that, and a team that has been sort of like Iowa State has been a tough out for them. But again, you know, they're going to be going up against a, co- a true freshman quarterback in Will Howard, who, you know, I'm sure he's going to be fine one day, but he's not Skylar Thompson. And that team was at its best with Skylar Thompson. And so, you know, again, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to get too far ahead of things, but I think you're right. I think we suspected this would be a pretty definitive stretch for this team. But now it just seems like, you know, with the help they've gotten from some teams beating other teams and now the matchup that presents itself in these next couple games, I think they got a chance to be in a really strong position come November 1st. And, you know, we thought this team had a chance to do something really special when Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace when those guys decided to come back. And, you know, it's 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 happened so far. Uh, still a lot of football to play, but this is a team that has managed its business and, you know, hasn't really given any indication that makes you think, man, they're, they're just, you know, one or two steps from <laughs> jumping off the rails. You know, it just, you don't really have that feeling about this team. They just seem to be solid. So I think it's, it's going to be really interesting to see in another 14 days what are we saying about where Oklahoma State is yeah and and we'll wrap it up with this but uh, I think that Spencer Sanders is going to keep getting better right now because I think that there was a little bit of rust a little bit of uh, excitement being back on the field this was like uh, this was like season opener again for him considering he played one uh, one series and and one snap of the of the actual season opener um, and uh, to steal the stat from uh, from Bill Haston of the Tulsa World, first full game in 51 weeks since he had uh, since he last played a, a full game before the Kansas injury. So um, I think that you're going to see him settle in and uh, and be a better player than he was even tonight. And and I thought he was really good tonight, uh, but I think that he's going to be even better. Yeah, I was fairly impressed um, considering what you just said, Scott. I mean, so many factors that you could see him 
having some struggles and against an Iowa State defense that you know they don't they don't go around sort of making things easy for any quarterback much less one who has missed the time that Spencer missed with injury both this season and into even last season so um, as I wrote in pregame you know this was only Spencer Sanders 12th start which you know it feels like he should have been making about his 20th start um, so he he's still got game experience to get under his belt but as you know we talked and and I know you wrote uh, Scott about Spencer his feet to me if 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 he can use them in you know the right way not get happy feet and you know scramble too much too early if he can use his feet in ways that make sense and you know he it's a it's a it's a different it's a different tool in the toolbox for this team you know they have not um they haven't had a guy with that level of ability in quite a while um you know it's even different i think than jw walsh scott i mean jw was a was a was a you know bulldog he'd go run you over Spencer Sanders can run by you. He's real that, you know, I, I think that's one of those things that in my head I knew, but you don't see it for a while. And then he gets back out there and you're like, oh yeah, he's really good running the football. <laughs> really good. Like he, he, he sees, you know, he sees things. He, you know, doesn't just try to run over people. He actually eludes and, uh, you know, so to me, that's, I think you're exactly right. And that's one of those things that if used correctly, that's going to be that's going to be such a, an added advantage to Oklahoma State against defenses that are trying to figure out how to stop the passing game, how to stop Chuba Hubbard and LD Brown, and then suddenly you've got that guy to contend with. That's that's going to be a lot to handle, Scott. Yeah, it is. It is, and obviously Oklahoma State's got to keep him healthy, and I think that they're uh, educating Spencer on uh, on ways to do that, ways to uh, avoid contact when possible, and all of those sorts of things, but um, that's going to be uh, that's going to be a really important factor. But I think that uh, I think that what you saw from Spencer Sanders tonight was uh, was just the beginning of uh, of what he's going to become as this year goes on, because he is uh, going to continue to get uh, become more polished, and um, he's he's so competitive that uh, you know that he's going to continue to work hard. So. It's going to be uh, very interesting to watch and see how how he develops uh, because it's it's easy easy to forget, like you uh, you mentioned with the twelve stars, Jenny, that this guy is just now playing uh, his first full season. He's just now just now finished what would have been a full season. So uh, I think he's going to continue to to get better and uh, and more polished and be uh, a really good weapon for uh, for this Oklahoma State offense. All right. With that, Jenny, anything uh, anything that I forgot before we wrap this uh, wrap this all up? Do you want to talk about your favorite punter, Tom Hutton? We can. Uh, although Brennan Presley deserves uh, the, 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 the deserves the uh, the most credit for uh, for the the punting uh, tonight, the uh, downing that ball, looking back and catching that, making it, or making. It, I don't know if he actually caught it, but he stopped it at least. Uh, at the four-yard line and was able to uh, corral it at that point. That was a really tough play, and uh, and he uh, he made it really smoothly. I was uh, I was impressed. 
but Tom Hutton has been punting better. I I, I haven't been uh, I haven't been as uh, as um, as forceful in uh, in flying the Tom Hutton flag this season, but uh, but he is uh, he is punting the ball much better this year. There was only one time today that I thought, why didn't he just kick the heck out of it? <laughs> and there were multiple times last season I was like, what's he doing? Just right. kick the heck out of the ball for crying out loud. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. Much better uh, overall. Special teams ticking up. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I obviously that missed field goal to start was not good but that was re- was that the first thing alex hales missed this year that was that was his first miss of the year i mean uh, still a young guy you know i i think the uh, the overall body of work has been really good mm-hmm. um and so uh, you know you even saw i thought that um i thought uh, dylan stoner had a nice return in the punk game at yeah, one point a, a really important one there late yeah so i mean i, I think i mean obviously it's, it wasn't a perfect night for special teams but all in all, a, a pretty decent show, and yeah, that that Brennan Presley downing of of that Hutton hunt, hunt punt, probably uh, like like the Rodriguez uh, blitz and penalty, probably one of those unsung moments of the game that you know you could you could point to and say, if that goes different, you know who knows where we are at the end of the game. Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, with that, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. Thanks to Paige and Dave back in the studio for uh, producing this and uh, putting it all together. And thank you for listening to the Cowboy Chronicles podcast.